Good Monday morning. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans. How are you? Welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. This is me, your lovely host, Ellie Krug. I am so thrilled to be back, occupying a portion of your brains. Thank you so very much for letting me do that, particularly on a Monday when, of course, most of us are dreading work, going to work, or what's going to come up for the day. So, Thank you so very much for having me, and thank you for coming back. And if you are a new listener, um, you know, uh, my name is Ellie Krug. I am a woman. If you're looking on Facebook Live right now as we're taping this, you'll see long blonde hair and not too bad looking. But I sound like a man because I am transgender, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Boom, there you go. See, regular listeners, I snuck that in. You didn't even know I was going to do that, did you? So, um, and I'm neurotic, and that's why I have to say that every time. Recall, regular listeners, that LE 2.0 Radio is about idealism, and specifically about practical idealism. And today we have a phenomenal show. Uh, the big interview is with Kathy Hying from the Lyft Garage, one of my heroes. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, one of my absolute favorite heroes who is a local person doing incredible work. And when you hear her story, um, she's going to be one of your heroes as well about the work that she does as an idealist. Our theme today is about changing the world. Um, and uh, it's a euphemism that many aspire to. Kathy Hying, who I just spoke about, she is doing it. Um, and uh, me, Ellie Krug, I'm trying to do it, but there you go. As I said, the theme is about changing the world. And for my A block, where I usually highlight a person or an organization that embodies idealism, today we're going to shift course. And I want to talk about a concept. I want to talk about something that I came across recently. Unfortunately, because this show is taped, um, you're not going to be able to... Uh, in real time, unless you're watching on Facebook Live right now, in real time, you're not going to be able to act on this, but I'm going to give you a, a citation or a, a, a publication to go look at, an article to go look at, frankly. That's what it is. So this, this concept, I want to talk about the concept of changing the world, but I also want to change about the, the concept of fake change. Okay, yeah, we've heard fake news, and I know that the whole phrase about fakiness has been overused, but just work with me on this, okay? Um, there was an, uh, an op-ed piece that showed up in the New York Times. It is titled, Beware Rich People Who Say They Want to Change the World. It's by a writer by the name of Anand, A-N-A-N-D, Gerahardas, G-I-R-I-D-H-A-R-A-D-A-S. Jarahadas. And um, Jarahadas is uh, the author of a book coming out by the title of Winners Take All, colon, The Elite Charade of Changing the World, unquote. That's the end of the title of his book coming out. And um, I don't usually like to read from editorials because it's easy for me to screw up my words, but you know what? I'm going to do this. So let me just kind of set the tone on this. So Jarahadas starts out by saying, Quote, change the world has long been the cry of the oppressed, but in recent years, world changing has been co-opted by the rich and the powerful. Uh, he then makes the argument that we've been bombarded with messages about fake change. And he goes on to cite what those are. So he uses, for example, McKinsey and companies' uh, recruiting materials that say, change the world, improve lives, invent something new and then uh, pivots to the World Economic uh, Forum um, that was host of the Davos uh, conference uh, where um, they wrote where their tagline was sit back, relax, and change the world. And then he cites um, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook who says the best thing I know how to do is to change the world and that's to start a company. So you get the sense here about rich people who want to go and they want to change the world. They want to talk about it. But then Gerahardis goes on to talk about um, how um, this fake change um, leaves undisturbed a winner-take-all economy. And then he goes on to remind us that the pre-tax income of the top 1% um, in the last 
near 40 years, since 1980, the top, the pre-tax income of the top 1% has tripled in the last 38 years, while the average income of the bottom half, bottom half, bottom 50% of Americans has stagnated to around $16,000 annually when it's adjusted for inflation. Think about that. So while we have people at the top talking about change, um, change has not happened. And then Jarahadis goes on to further write this, quote, American elites are mon monopolizing progress, and monopolies can be broken. Aggressive policies to protect workers, redistribute income, and make education and health affordable would bring real change. But such, me but such measures could also prove expensive for the winners, that would be the 1%, which gives them a strong interest in convincing the public that they can help out within the system. So that benefits the winners, unquote. So the top 1%, the people who are talking about change, who say, I'm going to help change the world, really want to do it from their barco loungers with their comfy drink next to them, with their feet up, and without making any waves, without them having to change anything. Jarrah Hardis goes on to cite Walmart, which fails to pay many of its workers a living wage, which then forces them onto food stamps, that would be the SNAP benefits, and other safety net needs. As you know, and that Walmart, even though it does all that, it touts its $1 billion foundation and how it claims that at that foundation is a force of change. Again, the concept is fake change. Jarrah Hardis also writes, hold on a second, let me get to it. Um, he also writes this, quote, A successful society is a progress machine, turning innovations and fortuitous developments into shared advancement. America's machine is broken. Innovations fly at us, but progress eludes us. A thousand world-changing initiatives won't change that. Instead, we must reform the basic systems that allow people to live decently, the systems that decide what kind of schools children attend, whether politicians listen to donors or citizens, whether or not people contend to their ailments, whether they are paid enough, and with sufficient reliability to make plans and raise children. It's true. When you look at America, you have to wonder, why can we not get it right? As the new face of the Democratic Party, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez argues, all of the other advanced world economies, except the United States, provide health care for their citizens. But the United States doesn't. It's not that we can't. It's just that we won't. That was Ellie Krug that just said that. So Jarrah Hardis con uh, concludes with this, and I just love this. So here we go, one last quote, please bear with me. Quote, there are a significant number of winners who recognize their role in propping up a bad system. They might be convinced that solving problems for all at the root will mean higher taxes, smaller profits, and fewer homes. Changing the world asks more than giving back. It also takes giving something up, period, unquote. Think about that giving something up. I'll talk a little bit about that, how Ellie Krug uh, got to that conclusion recently on something. But this idea about fake change. So when you hear the next time a politician or a business leader talking about changing the world, talking about making a difference, ask yourself, is that really true? Are they really doing that? Or is it just simply window dressing? Is it simply something comf comfy from their Barco lounger? Or their lazy boy? Where they're really not doing it? Where it's not going to make much of a difference other than they're going to sell a slogan, maybe put it on a handbag, put it on a backpack, and say, see, we're making a difference. That's not making change. That's just simply making somebody feel good that they think they're making change. This stuff in our society right now, the problems that we are facing, I mean, these are fundamental issues, particularly the inequality issue. It is fundamental. We have to do something different. There are people that do not get a chance 
to have opportunity because they can't even get into the school in order to get the education. Or they grow up in an environment where their emotional needs or whatever un, um, hidden disability isn't addressed. And they don't get a chance. They don't get a fair chance. And so we need to recognize that as a society. <laughs> and I don't want to say that things are rigged, but you get the idea here. So when we're going to talk about change, when we're going to talk about changing the world, we need to mean it. And we need to do it. We do. I'm tired. I'm tired of not seeing progress. I'm tired of things stagnating or going backwards. I am tired of people not being willing to do the hard work that comes with changing our society so that more people, like all people, get a real chance. When we come back from my break after this, I'm going to talk to Kathy Hying of the Lyft Garage, somebody who you will, I hopefully understand by the end of the interview, is making change, is changing the world, somebody who's real. I hope that you like what you're listening to on this show. Um, if you like, visit my website at elliekrug.com. If you'd like to know more about my story, go and find my book on Amazon, Kindle, or Nook. It's called Ellen, Getting to Ellen, a, memory about, a memoir about love, honesty, and gender change. Back in a sec. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Crazy about pets? We are too. The Pet Connection Show is a great venue for fun, informative, and creative conversations about pets. Join myself, Kathy Menard, and Dr. Nicole Parole, along with guests who are leaders in the dynamic and growing pet industry, as we discuss healthcare, relationships, behaviors, and even political issues as they relate to our pets. So come, sit, stay for the Pet Connection Show, Sundays 11 a.m. to noon on AM 950 Radio, the progressive voice of Minnesota. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Margaret Wheatley said, there is no more powerful way to initiate significant social change than to start a conversation. When a group of people discover that they share a common concern, that's when the process of change begins. On October 16th, you can be part of that change. Engage in the conversation at an incredible event. The Minnesota Women's Press Conversations, using our voice and vote. With midterms right around the corner, how we lobby, influence, and campaign, especially with people who have different views, has never been more important. So go to womenspress.com to register now. Oh, and Patricia Torres-Ray and Nakima Levy-Armstrong will be in a keynote conversation with each other. And in addition, all of us will mobilize through incredible breakout conversations. October 16th, from 4.30 to 8.30 in St. Paul at Carondelet Center, using our voice and vote. Register at Women's Press.com. That's womenspress.com. See you there.
back on LE 2.0 Radio. Oh, my goodness. I am thrilled because our big interview, the big interview today, is with a hero of mine. I've got Kathy Hying here from the Lyft Garage. Kathy, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm thrilled to be here, Ellie. Thank oh, you. Oh, I am thrilled to have you. You know, um, when I had my Hidden Edges radio show, you were one of my very first guests. And uh, you so impacted me about your story and about your work. And um, just before we got on the air, I, I was sharing with you that I, when I do my trainings about human inclusivity, I actually talk about you and your story because you. you are such an inspiration. And then you were sharing back that you had heard <laughs> by way of the grapevine that I was speaking about you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Greater Minnesota, no less. That's right. There's no secrets here. <laughs> so, Kathy, um, you are the founder and executive director of the Lyft Garage, right? Correct. So why don't you tell uh, the audience what the Lyft Garage is? Sure. So the Lyft Garage has been around uh, for about five years. We are a nonprofit auto repair shop that provides low-cost car repair for low-income Minnesotans. Okay, that was a mouthful. So, <laughs> so how do so so. There aren't many of you in Minnesota. In fact, you're probably the only one, I'm going to guess. Um, currently, to my knowledge, the only one that is doing it full-time. Um, some, some more um, programs are starting to pop up as the need um, is becoming clearer. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're one of the few. I think it's fair to say. And so how does it work? So you've got, you've got a garage. Yep. And we're going to get into the history in a little bit. That's sure. why I have you on the show. But you have a garage. And folks who are of a certain income level can come and have their vehicles looked at uh, and then repaired. Is that right? Correct. So everyone who gets services at the Lyft Garage um, has to have an income that is 150% of federal poverty guideline uh, or below. What that means to the average person is uh, household of one has to be about 18000 a year or less. Household of two is about 21000 a year or less. Sort of depends on family size. Um, if they qualify um, income-wise, then um, they bring their car to us. Uh, we do an inspection and an estimate, um, and we charge $15 an hour for labor and parts at cost. So no markup on the parts. Okay, so this is... Um, uh very, very economical for people who are in need. It's true. And yeah. for most people where a $600 a car repair bill is just, well, just might mean that they're not going to be able to pay their rent. Sure. Absolutely. And for that same $600 car repair, they pay approximately uh, $180 to $200 for that same repair at the lift garage. Okay. And and uh, uh, you have a you have a quite a wait list, right? We do, unfortunately. Yes, um, we are typically booked out about three months at any given time, and that's despite uh, going from one bay one day a week to four bays five days a week. Um, we've expanded capacity exponentially, and even though we're serving a lot more people um, on any given day or any given month, um, in, in terms of meeting the demand and the need, it's it's like we've barely scratched the surface. Now, um, and, and before we move on to the story, because there's a huge story behind all of this, um, let's uh, do the shout-out about the uh, nonprofit. Um, first of all, where can they find it on, on, the, on the web and on Facebook, and how can they give if they sure. want to? Because by the time they're done hearing your story, they're going to want to give. <laughs> I hope that's true, um, because that's, that's how we're able to do what we do. I mean, it costs us the same to run our shop as it does any other auto repair shop. We just are able to offer the lower prices because of um, the kindness of people subsidizing our work with their support. So um, if people are interested in giving, they can. the easiest way is to go to our website, uh, www.theliftgarage.org. Um, we can also uh, be found on Facebook, The Lift Garage. Um, the, those are your two easiest ways to find us. All right, and there's a, a donate button on your website, Correct. right? Okay. Now, and the lift garage has been in existence only for what five years? Five years, correct. And you've gone from one bay in five years to five bays and F four bays, about to become five because right. we're moving. You're yep. moving. You're yep. going to be moving on October first to a new location yes. at the corner of Lake and Hiawatha. Exactly. Right? Yep. And um, and not only uh, do you provide this service to the public, but 
the the people, your technicians, the people that are doing your work, these are folks who um, at one time probably were considered lost people in a variety of ways, right? Yeah, at least a few. Um, uh, th- three of our current uh, uh, four techs have um, some criminal history, uh, criminal background. Um, one currently um, doesn't have a driver's license. One didn't when he started and now does. I'm a big believer in second chances, and um, we are so much more than the worst thing we've ever done. And we've all done terrible things. Some of us have just gotten caught and some of us haven't. Um, And so, you know, it's a danger when we define people simply by the worst choice they've ever made um, because we're so much richer and deeper than that. Or or define them by their bad luck because they got caught. Absolutely. Okay, so um, listeners, uh, there is a story here. And that's why I have you here, Kathy, other than the great work that you're doing. I mean, your nonprofit is phenomenal. Thank you. Um, But uh, uh, the story here is that this was not your chosen profession to be a mechanic. (laughs) True. And to run a garage, right? Very true. You started out um, in the social work field. Correct. So go ahead and give us that story, please. And we'll probably end up having to take the break in the middle of that, but go ahead and let's get started. Sure. Well, I'm not far, sure how far back you want me to go, but basically I, um, my bachelor's degree um, is in social work and religious studies, um, and I have a master's degree in pastoral ministry. So um, my heart and my work were in a very different place, um, uh, doing a mix over the previous 20 years of uh, church work and uh, outreach and community organizing with people experiencing homelessness. I had a small stint uh, working um, in a place that provided low-cost legal services um, to low-income folks. So um, all really um, people and heart-oriented prior to this. Right. You were at St. Stephen's for a while, Correct. right? Correct, yep, yep, for 15 years. Okay. As a social worker? Uh, a mix. So the first half I was, St. Stephen's has a funny history too. It it was a church that started a bunch of human services. So for the first while I was on the church staff doing, um, trying to get folks engaged in systemic change work, um, social change. And then the last part I was working on the human services side of things, working kind of more in social work, community organizing, um, public education around ending homelessness. Okay. And and then, well, we're going to end up having to take a break here. Okay. So when we come back from our break, I want to talk about how all this shifted for you. Sure. You know, our, th- our theme today is about changing the world. And when I think about people changing the world, um, you are like on that very, very, very short list. That's very kind. Thank you. Well, so uh, listeners, when we come back from our break, um, we'll talk more with Kathy Hying about her project, The Lift Garage. Um, If you like what you hear on this show, because we are trying to highlight on this show what humans are doing to make the world a better place, please uh, visit my website at elliekrug.com. You can sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple, where I talk about good things that humans are doing. Um, Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And and thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back in a minute with Kathy. Thank you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now.
The 54th Nobel Conference, Living Soil, a Universe Underfoot, is happening October 2nd and 3rd at Gustavus Adolphus College. The Nobel Conference invites participants to consider the vast diversity and complexity of soil and to ponder the challenges we face in protecting this most fundamental resource. Join 4,000 people on campus for one or both days to experience the presentation and Q&A sessions or watch the live stream. Some of the discussion questions the Nobel Conference will address include what is soil health and what processes sustain health healthy soils, what interactions connect the living entities in the soil, and how do those interactions shape natural systems, and how will climate change affect soils. New to this year's conference is that you can buy two tickets and get one free when you use the discount code FRIEND. Again, that's the 54th Nobel Conference, Living Soil a Universe Underfoot, on Tuesday, October 2nd and Wednesday, October 3rd at Gustavus. Find the list of speakers, the schedule, and registration at gustavus.edu slash nobelconference. That's gustavus.edu slash nobelconference. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today has a 50% chance of rain with a high of 78 and a low around 61. Tuesday, a 20% chance of rain with a high of 73 and a low around 58. Wednesday will once again be rainy with temperatures in the 60s. AM 950 is brought to you by Eat Local Minnesota. Break away from the usual and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, they've got everything and more. Find the full list of incredible nearby restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Back on AM 950, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on LE 2.0 Radio. I've been interviewing Kathy Hying from the Lyft Garage in Minneapolis. And before we broke, Kathy was talking about having, what, almost 20 years as a pastoral minister and a social worker, and then you changed course. Do I have that right? That is correct. So what age is this when you change course? Uh, 38. 38 years old. Okay. All right. So... You changed course, and um, how long ago would this have been? Uh, Ten years ago. Okay. So, and why don't you tell us what that change in course was? Um, so I mean, it's, a, it's a major change, of It course. is a major change. So, um, I went from social work and pastoral ministry, and in the fall of 2008, I enrolled at Dunwoody in uh, auto technology to become a student to, to become an auto technician. Right. With no prior aptitude for mechanics whatsoever, right? No. Some would joke that I still don't have an aptitude <laughs> for it, but that's a whole other show. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a huge, huge change for me. I did not grow up in a place, in a household that, you know, where my parents worked on their own vehicles. It was not my experience. I'd changed oil a few times, but really not a big part of my life prior to that. Well, and so tell me why. Um, it was actually quite related to the work I'd been doing, even though it might not seem so on first glance. Um, so many people living in poverty and experiencing homelessness um, are, are, are there at least in part uh, or have to stay there at least in part because of lack of access to transportation. Um, you know, you live in Minneapolis, but the job is in Chanhassen. Um you know, you don't have a way to get there. There's no bus that runs where you're getting there, but then the car breaks down and then you lose the job. Yep. Um, any number of, of scenarios and um, people living in their cars, so cars as housing. Um, so all these pieces where um, cars intersect uh, with 
with poverty, um, and I became acutely aware of that as people were regularly needing assistance, uh, fixing those cars, dealing with those cars, moving those cars. While you were doing your pastoral work and your social exactly, work. Exactly, okay. exactly. Lots of people needing assistance, um, financial or sometimes literally a push or a jump, or do you have a wrench I can borrow, um, any number of things. And I, I just kept thinking about the fact that um, I, I, we needed a place where um that that uh people of really low incomes you know could access um services at a very affordable pl- price right but Kathy <laughs> you went from a social work job where i'm assuming you had some benefits and you had you had some income and had at least been in the job for a number of years you had built up to some kind of a probably a, a fairly at least livable wage and then you decided that you were going to leave that and go and become an auto mechanic (laughs) and then start a garage i mean so sounds so ridiculous when you say it that way (laughs) (laughs) well no 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 that's um i think that it it is the epitome of idealism i mean from the about the work that i talk about but what 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 got you there how did how did you make that jump from, you know what, this is, I mean, there are a variety of things that you could have done. You know, you could have tried to create a cl- collaboration between garages to help to help folks. You could have tried to find donors that are going to do a voucher for car repairs and all sure. of that stuff. But you, I mean, you not only talk the talk, you did the walk and, and you did it in strides. And so why? You know, I've, I've, Always um, had a, a soft spot. Um, my family likes to joke that all childhood stories end with, and then Kathy cried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have, I have been acutely aware of, I guess, the human condition for my whole life. I, I did not grow up um, you know, in, in surrounded by a great deal of poverty. I grew up in a small town in Iowa, about 800 people. What town was that? It's called Oshin, O-S-S-I-A-N is how it's spelled. It's just south of Decorah a little well, bit. You know I'm an Iowan, don't I you? I do. Okay. I do. That's one of All the right. reasons, one of many reasons I uh, I adore you. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it was not, not as if I was surrounded by that, but I did have a a sense from early on that I, I wanted to help people. And kind of the, the way that I knew how to do that early on is sort of a social work path. And, right. um, and I, I think a lot of that came. Um, I, my oldest brother has Down syndrome, um, which was very rare, him being the oldest. Um, uh, he was born in 1956 in this small town in Iowa. Um, and my parents were uh, astounding in their, not only their care for him, but their advocacy uh, as related to his needs. Um, That would be astounding. Yeah, Yeah. especially in that era where everybody said, just, you know, put him in an institution and you're young, you can have more children, kind of forget this ever happened. And they made a really courageous, different choice. Um, They didn't see it that way. They saw it as, we're just going to raise our son. Um, And like any parents who want the best for their children, they... They just did that. I mean, again, they they didn't know there weren't programs or services, so so they went to bat. But they were also Iowans. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and and hardy and practical, and so they they worked to you know get education opportunities for Alan. They you know at church they worked to get sacrament opportunities because there was lots of stuff around that. Um, you know when when a group home first finally opened in our area you know that's where alan went to live because it provided different support and opportunities for him to socialize and everything and they were sort of on the forefront of that in our part of the state and um that that's a huge model to me about sort of here's the situation and um we're going to work hard um to, to make it the best that it can be for this person who needs it well and and I've got to tell you, you know, I'm I'm trying to find all these idealists and have them come and in, interview them on my show mm-hmm. and ask them, you know, what makes them tick and you just help describe what makes you tick. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, time and again, what I'm hearing is 
my parents yep. or my mom yep. or somebody in their life yep. caused them to start to think and see the world in a different way. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, and, and I, I am, I'm on the verge of tears <laughs> because you so inspire me. Thank you. You do. Thank and you. I, I just want you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. And so, but again, we get back to the question. <laughs> you, you totally upended your life and went to, you know, went to Dunwoody to become an automatic. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It, and and it wasn't easy because I know from your prior story you you told me you you almost quit three times. Yes, yeah, it was it was really way harder than I ever ever thought it would be. Um, and but I just um, I, I, something in me could not let go of the idea that um, we needed to do something. Um, and I don't want us collectively to talk about we need to do something and then exclude ourselves from that we. Yep. We often say we need to do something, but what we really mean is somebody else. Um, and I, I, I didn't want this to be that way. And um, and again, it, you know, it, this wasn't... I, I worked hard, absolutely. I sacrificed a lot. And it, it wouldn't have happened without a community of people who stood stood with me, either supporting me um, personally or stepping up and saying, "This is a great idea. I want I want on board." Um, well, I, will you talk briefly about that? Your instructor at Dunwoody. Absolutely. Um, I was hoping uh, Dave would be able to join us, but he's teaching today, as he should be. Um, uh, so Dave Duval was my instructor at Dunwoody, and he uh, he still teaches there. He's um, um, sort of a gruff, and he wouldn't mind me saying this because I say it to him all the time, kind of a gruff, kind of blow hard, um, and not exactly the place where you would uh, think, oh, here's an angel among us. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Marine <laughs> Drill Sergeant. Yeah, a little like that. And, you know, they only called us by our last names at Dunwoody, and it had this sort of kind of discipline feel to it, um, some of which is what made it so hard for me. It was a huge culture shift in addition to the rest of the the changes, but um, it, during those times when I really felt like I couldn't do this, because um, it, it was it was hard academically, which caught me off guard too. Um, and Dave had asked early on um, what sort of what I was doing there, because I did not fit the typical student profile, shall we say? And I had told him kind of my broad vision, and and so one of those days when I thought I was for sure going to quit and I was weeping and frustrated and, and he sat down and he said, I believe in you and I believe in what you're doing and I will help you get through this and I'm going to watch you walk across that stage in two years um, and I will, you come back to me as often as you need, even when you're no longer in my class, if you need advice, you need tutoring, you need support, you, you come back and I will help you and he was true to his word and um, he became one of the first board members of the Lift Garage and remains on the board to this day. And, um, you know, as the uh, old scripture text says, be, you never know when you are going to be entertaining angels. And <laughs> it, it's very much like that. If you would have said, you know, who who's going to come and be kind of your primary support through this, I would have never guessed sort of Drill Sergeant Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and, and it's so incredibly important to us that we have people who show up to support support us. Absolutely. You know, and I mean, I've had that certainly with a number of people who have just been my angels. And, mm-hmm. and, and um, yeah, and, and so, you know, what I love about your story is that you really have walked the walk. And... Not everyone does that. I don't even know if I fully do that, but you do. And, you know, you're, you are touching the lives of so many humans in so many different ways. You are changing the world. You are 
making it easier for people. You replicate. Is this your model being replicated in other places in the country? Um, we're we're getting there. I get lots of calls, probably three or four calls a month from people wanting that. Um, some take off. I'm continuing to mentor a program um, in Texas that is getting some ground. Um, a place opened uh, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, that I did a lot of mentoring. Okay, uh, with. so, so, it's, it's so you're rippling. You're even rippling. It's true. Well. Kathy, I'll just tell you, I am just um, in awe of, of what you're doing. Um, and yes, I do share about you because we are a society of storytellers and story listeners, and we learn from that. Absolutely. So thank you so very much for being on my show again. My pleasure. I, I always appreciate the opportunity. I hope to have you on yet again another time <laughs> because you're such an inspiration to me. Wonderful. So listeners, I've been speaking with Kathy Hying from The Lift Garage. Go to her website at Kathy. Uh, Theliftgarage.org. And um, please donate. When we come back, I'll do my last segment, my C block, um, where I'm going to talk a little bit about our theme today, about changing the world. Kathy Hying is a world changer. Thanks so very much. We'll be back in a second. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Hey, parents of children with asthma, here's the Breathe Easies with another one of your favorite hits. Don't smoke in the house. Don't smoke in the house. Don't smoke around the kids in the house. Don't smoke in the car. Don't smoke in the house. Don't break my heart. Preventing asthma attacks can be as simple as making your home and car smoke-free zones. For more Breathe Easy tips to help stop asthma attacks, go to noattacks.org. Up next, well, what do you know? The Breathe Easy's with another hit song, Vacuum Up the Floor. Vacuum up the floor. Hey. Vacuum up the floor. Yeah. Vacuum up the floor. The asthma trigger is no more. You gotta vacuum up the furniture and vacuum in the cracks because the dander and the dust can give kids asthma attacks. Simple steps can help your kids breathe easier. Vacuum up the floor to keep your house free of dust, dander, and dust mites. For more Breathe Easy tips to help stop asthma attacks, go to noattacks.org. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. We are back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Hello again. Ellie Krug here. So, um, I don't know about you, but uh, Kathy Hying, come on. Not many, of, not many Kathy Hyings are out in the world right now. 
We need more of them. And the work that she is doing, the Lift Garage, please, by all means, please support them. At least talk about them. Go investigate them. Go to their website. Um, but the work is phenomenal. And she is supporting people by giving them jobs and, of course, helping people who have uh, motor vehicle needs. I mean, it is five bays. And she has a three, soon to have five bays, and she has a three-month wait list for people who need repairs to their cars. That tells you how great the need is. Okay, so we're on my C block here, the end of the show. We're getting to the end. In this block, I talk about my work um, and a little bit about my story and about being a practical idealist, about me trying to change the world. I am trying to do that. I am. And I know many of you listening right now, you want to change the world as well. And I want to come back to this um, thing that we heard from uh, Jared, Jared Harridis about um, how in order to change the world, that sometimes you need to give something up. I'm going to also proffer that many times when you think that you're going to give something big up, maybe it's not, it doesn't sting nearly as much. Um, but nonetheless, that we need to give something up. So let me start by saying that I am no one special. I, every talk I give uh, when I train on human inclusivity, I actually make that statement. Um, I am no one special. I'm just a human trying to survive the human condition. And yes, I'm on the radio. Yep, you're listening to me. But I am a human just like you right now as you're listening. I have the same hopes and dreams that you do. I hope that my kids will succeed just like you hope for yours or children that are in your life because some people don't have children or can't have children and I don't want to marginalize you. And just like you, I want to love and be loved. I do. But uh, the Jared Hardis piece really hit home to me. So, you know, and at one time, I had a lot. I did. At one time, I was in that 1%, that top 1%. I was there, absolutely. You know, I had a law firm in Iowa. I employed, a, uh, at one time, I, the height of my law firm, I employed 14 people. Um, I had power. I had social stature. I had a lot of uh, swag. Um, as a man, when I presented as a man in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, and, uh, and I gave that up. But actually, I really didn't give it up. I actually lost it when I transitioned genders. And we don't need to go back through that. Many of you have heard that story, and I don't want to bore you, okay? It was okay for me to lose it, okay? Because I had been a trial lawyer for almost 30 years, and I was really tired of beating people up. I was pretty good at beating people up, and I was tired of doing that. And when my law firm went away, okay, I used that as an excuse to try and pivot to really try and change the world. I, you know, you know the story, regular listeners, I've been an idealist all my life, going back to when I was a kid, and it all goes back to Robert F. Kennedy and, and Dr. King. Um, but I came here to the Twin Cities, and I knew no one. And one of the things that I did was I founded a legal access nonprofit to go and help people who needed lawyers, to at least help them understand how the nonprofit legal system works so they can get directed to the right legal provider. I did that for five years. And then I founded a company on training on human inclusivity. And somebody reminded me uh, just uh, today that the word training probably isn't the right word because I my, my work is more than training people. It's about inspiring them. And my work um, uh, within the founding of my company two years ago, my work was about how to help humans accept and welcome humans who are considered other or different. But recently, I've been wrestling with the problem of giving something up. My company has been successful I've started to earn some more money. Um, I'm 61 years old, and after um, not being able to save any money for a number of years, I'm at a point again where I can start saving some money for my retirement, whenever that might be. And I have no idea about how much longer I'm going to be around, and I have certainly no much idea about how much longer I'll be able to put in 60 hours or 70, which I'm doing right now. And so I was wrestling with the idea of whether to hire someone to help me. You know, that um, the help would 
having help would help me expand my work and would help expand my message about acceptance and about having compassion for others and for self. But it would cost. It would. I mean, you know, it, uh, I make X and it would be negative out of X in order to hire somebody. And I had fear. I mean, we all have core fears. It's something I talk about with regularity. You know, and my core fear, will I be able to provide for myself if I take someone on? And then, of course, there are other fears about bringing somebody on and if what if it doesn't work out, et cetera, et cetera. Those are fears that all employers have generally. And But, but I wrestled with that until I saw the Jared Hardis article about fake change and about the need for us to sometimes give something up in order to have real change happen. I, I, I just can't emphasize enough about the need to go and look at that article by Jared Hardis. It's in the, it's in the um, August 24th uh, New York Times. Um, and uh, so go look at it, please. But it really had an impact on me. I mean, I'm reading it. I'm like, well, you know, Ellie, um, how hypocritical are you going to be? You know, how much are you going to hold on to things when you know that if you bring somebody else on, that you can expand your work into greater Minnesota and, the, and to the greater Midwest? You bring somebody else on, you can actually expand your work outside of just going and speaking to organizations, but that you can maybe start doing some public work where people come and listen to you you know, in the public, like it's an event where they can come and then you can spread this message about compassion. And so how afraid are you going to be, Ellie? And how much are you going not to follow what you talk about, about idealism? We all need reality checks. We do. Even the great Ellie Krug, this practical idealist that some of you have been listening to for three quarters of a year now. Um, even I need my reality checks. I do try and follow all the words that I say to you. I do follow, I do try and do my best to change the world. So, I do have an employee. She's my director of inspiration. We'll see where it goes. So, you've been listening to me. We're done. The show is over. Um, Ellie, Ellie Krug on AM950. If you enjoy the show, email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I need to thank our sponsors. Um, who are the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis in St. Paul. Let Bev know that I referred you. She does phenomenal work. And a big thanks to Brett Johnson, my producer. Brett, you're always there for me. You are just, ah, you're wonderful. And to you, my listeners, thanks so very much for listening, for supporting us. I'll be back next week with another show. Bye.